2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not going to see the kind of surges mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be an ICU unit. And you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Welcome to the Daily Wrap Up concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Really interesting opening that we've seen quite a few times, but actually really thinking about it for in the moment and where we were, where, what we're seeing today, reflecting on what we can take from that. There's two things that just listening to it in the intro just now brought to my mind. One of which is if he's then, I think I forget the time it said May, I think May, 2021 or something like somewhere in there where he said that this percentage where they currently were isn't up. We're good. You know, because of this, we shouldn't be seeing the kind of surges we're seeing going forward. Okay. So that then means that we shouldn't be seeing the variant being the concern for the people that didn't have it because they already reached herd immunity, right? That was the whole argument. That just shouldn't mean that one person on the other side of the world didn't get injected could create a variant that causes everybody else to rush back, right? That's not what they said. Even if you believe that's what it is now, that's not what they said in the beginning. Either they were lying, they were wrong, or they were just completely incompetent. Or the other thing that comes into my mind, Let's be very clear about one, 
They were clearly, as we've said before, saying transmission is the point. That's why we're doing this. We need to stop transmission. That's the goal. That's, I mean, for crying out loud, you can go back and look at the history of vaccinology, immunology, and everything else before this, and everything and every part of every discussion was always about stopping transmission. Why? Because that's how you stop things from spreading. Shocking, I know. But today, even though we can play that video where they're telling you this is the goal and this is what we need to do, and now they're changing that. Now, why is that? That's because it's not stopping transmission. It wasn't during Delta. It wasn't before Delta, and it's not now. They're trying to blame it on Omicron. That's fine. Not really, but at the end of the day, we could see that it's not working. They're finally admitting it. Now, think about the breakdown there. Why would they be telling you that transmission was the most important? That's what we're aiming for. It's a no-brainer, guys. It's because that is how you stop trans. That's how you stop what they're telling you is the pandemic. Or in any context, if you stop the transmission, you stop the thing from spreading. By lessening symptoms, you could argue there's a there's a, a an effect. But right now. As we're watching the vast majority of the cases being in the injected, it's no, there's no conversation. It's a pandemic of the injected. Even if you want to pretend that's only an Omicron, you have to admit that because that is how this thing continues. That's within their narrative, understand, not that I'm buying into anything that they're saying. Now, what's interesting there is this transmission discussion is exactly what leads into where we're going to be talking about today in not just cases. This is the important part to understand. The part of the title in the UK is that. That right now, and this is based on their data, that you are twice, and what's funny is if you're confused about the title, it's not necessarily that when you jump into the land of the UK, you're suddenly at more risk. No, that's not what that means. It means that for whatever reason, the data that's coming out of there is showing you that they are at twice the risk of getting sick, but then just dancing over the line somewhere, all of a sudden, totally different. Now you have to ask why that is. It could be because they're wrong, all their data is incorrect, and somehow they're missing it. Or it could be that other people are lying about what's happening to make it look like they're not having the problem that makes it look like all their choices were broken, wrong, criminal, and completely falling apart in front of you. You have to think about that. Then you add on Scotland. Then you add on Australia. Then you add on Ontario at the very least, most parts of Canada we've shown you. And all of those are giving you the same picture. Cases specifically, the majority. But then you get into hospitalizations and deaths. And guess what you're finding? The per 100,000 that they keep screaming at you is what you should be looking at is actually beginning to show you that they're at more risk, if not close, if if not the same risk or very close to. That is not how, there's no way that adds up to what they're telling you is happening. Super rare, fringe, whatever, that does not add up to most, close to, half, or anything that we're talking about today. If at the very least, not the vast majority of or higher risk. Now in Scotland, which is the other part, you'll find that there are the data from Scotland over the last three months has continued to show you that every single category is more on the side of the fully injected, not just numbers, but per 100,000 risk. Today, we'll get into the death specifically that shows you that right now, if you're standing in Scotland, you're apparently at a higher risk of dying if you've been injected after getting COVID-19 or just in general in the context of COVID. Now, I'm not even trying to give you my, I will give you my opinions on it, but the point is that this is just data. It should not be something that we have to, like, that I'm not getting. The point is today that data is being suppressed, deleted, removed, attacked because they don't like what it leads to by pretending that if we don't give their part of the, you know, their perception of it, that we're somehow misleading people. Data is what it is. The point is you should be able to look at it and come to your own conclusions about it, whether I'm saying this, whether the media is saying that, but they're all trying to get you to follow a certain path. 
That's the last thing we want on this show. I hope that you come to a different conclusion as long as you look at the information that we're going to discuss today, because it's pretty obviously hard to come to any other conclusion when all of it points in one direction. And all you can do is trust what the media says you're supposed to think about what that data shows you. That's all it really is. When you read into it, it's a very big, bold letter that says, this you should not be used to decide if this is effective. And it's like, then why are you doing it? The whole point, if it was the other way around, they would say, clearly it shows you how effective it is. Look at how many people are not getting sick. But of course, when it goes the other way, they go, no, 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 no. Don't look at it that way, right? You got to hold it just right and turn it this way. And that's when you see it the way we wanted you to. That's crazy. As always, that's crazy, especially coming from the people that are always misleading you. To start off in a way of misleading in regard to the foreign policy, I just want to make sure we didn't miss this. I shared this the other day on this was yesterday. Canada, Canada deployed a contingent of special forces into Ukraine. Think about that. That's as they're accusing Russia of beginning to do something in the Ukraine. I mean, why would we not be concerned about that? Like, why is it acceptable in all this and everything that's going on to jam in? I mean, military presence on the ground is always seen as a provocation. It doesn't matter whether you're an ally or not. You jam in a bunch of military forces. The other side's going to go, whoa, right? That's done on purpose. It's almost as if they're trying to coax something out. Look, all I'm point is I could give you a lot of theories and thoughts. False flag watch. I used to do that all the time. And the point is simply pay attention to this. I am, they're the ones coming out going, I mean, the White House, what, yesterday said, Russia's moments away from doing something in Ukraine. Obviously, they're trying to prime us to be paying attention to whatever I, my mind would say, whatever they're about to create. That's how this usually goes. I could be wrong. Historically, um, that's usually what happens. But pay attention because I believe that they're trying to at least get your attention somewhere else, if not carry out some foreign policy agenda and blame it on Russia. Or the very uh, even grander thought that all of this is coordinated and all of them are working towards some larger agenda. Just thoughts that you should be asking, not that we could know for sure. And if you're unwilling to ask those questions, then you're being willfully ignorant because these are valid questions based on historical fact. But someone along the line said, conspiracy theory, and you ran screaming because I can't think those things. Anyway, jumping into the beginning of this, I want to make a point about Fauci, as I've made before, to play a quick clip, and then I'll give you my thoughts on this. Jim Jordan discussing Fauci in regard to Wuhan, and what he's saying is a cover-up of the lab leak, which in its entirety I believe is a limited hangout, whether Jim Jordan thinks that or not, or knows that or not. But let's listen to the clip or watch the clip first, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, two years ago this month, Dr. Fauci has put on notice that the virus most likely came from a lab that was doing gain-of-function research. He gets a letter uh, on January 31st, 10.32 p.m., 2020. He gets an email, excuse me, from Dr. Christian Anderson that says the virus looks engineered, virus not consistent with evolutionary theory. Dr. Fauci goes into complete overdrive to cover this information up and not present it to the American people. He organizes a conference call the next day with Fauci, Collins, and 11 virologists from around the world on that call. Mr. Gary, Dr. Gary on that call says this, I don't know how this happens in nature, but it would be easy to do in a lab. Four days later, those people who express those sentiments start to change their position. They write a piece in Nature Medicine magazine on February 16th. It first gets published online. That piece is then cited on February 9th, 2020, in the now famous letter in The Lancet that becomes the gospel that this thing, according to Fauci and this group, didn't come from a lab. All that happens in 20 days. 
So they go from this thing looks engineered, this thing is not consistent with evolutionary theory, this thing could not have happened in nature, this thing would be easy to do in a lab, to completely changing their position. And here's the kicker. The two guys who said those things, Dr. Anderson and Dr. Gary, three months later get rewarded with an $8.9 million grant from Dr. Fauci to continue to do research on coronavirus. Now that's important. I mean, all of that's important. Everything they're discussing is something, it, it, it's obviously tied into what's going on. But I, wanna, I want us to ask a, a very core question. In the beginning of this, when those of, those of you in the chat, people like myself and many of the other independent media that we've worked with in the past, were all pointing to this stuff right in the beginning about Fort Detrick and about historical facts around this and how leaks and bioweapons and manipulation, Dr. Boyle, where were they then? Where, where, where was Jordan and, and, and Rand then? I'm sure all the information was being sent to them by plenty of people. We were screaming about it. It was all happening. It was happening long before COVID-19, in fact. So why didn't they just suddenly care about this only at a point when it was down further in the conversation after the lab leak theory had been stepped on and disparaged by most everybody on both sides of the paradigm? And then it gets accept, allowed to be talked about. And we all saw the shift in the mainstream media. And then suddenly they're hopping to and they're attacking. Now, I'm not trying to say that I know for sure that they're not being genuine, but I don't buy that. I don't buy that this is the way this went down, especially when we're only, only ever talking about a lab leak instead of a bioweapon, seeing as how we can prove that they're working on gain of function. Are we really going to pretend that they're working on gain of function, which is a bioweapon, and then it just stripped and spilled it out the door? Oops. And that's what happened? Is it possible? Yes. But it seems pretty ridiculous to me to think that that is, <laughs> as the screen's freezing on us, I, in, there we go increasingly getting frustrated with how this continues to work. I might need to find something other than StreamYard if this continues, but I don't buy that that's the way that went down. I just don't. I don't buy. Let me do this. I apologize, guys. Let me know in the chat if this is still functioning for you. See if that helps. Very frustrating. Anyway. <clears throat> just welcome to the technocratic future, huh? So the point being, the lab leak part of it seems like a very clear sidestep from the history that Jim Jordan and Rand Paul and all the rest of them have their fingers in too. The history of voting and not, and, and I mean, it, it, this goes long before COVID-19. The idea of working on gain-of-function research from before 2014, after 2014, into where we are now, has been going on forever, and it wasn't a secret. That's the crazy part about this. We have been telling you this from the very beginning. The reality of gain-of-function research has been there. We were screaming about it. So I just want us to think about why now it's happening. Now, I'm as I'm saying in my, my tweet, Will Fauci be thrown under the bus as I've been thinking this has been they've been driving towards this whole time? Even if he is, even if he literally tomorrow gets arrested, which would be great, which is a good thing because he is a criminal in my mind and should be held accountable. Don't fall for it. This goes well beyond the childish reduction of Fauci and Wuhan and well into both parties and those who actually control them or really the illusion of two parties and the party that we're talking about. We have to see that. 
the idea that only one person was doing this while there's multiple projects going on that date back to before Trump and after Trump and every and during Trump is ridiculous to pretend that it all boils down to this one person. Who else do you think involved in these choices? Yes, Fauci has some autonomy, but he's also under the NIH in general, under Collins, which is under HHS at the time during Trump's administration, which was under Robert Cadillac, who is a key part of everything we're talking about. We need to stand back and see what's really going on or we will never get past what they're trying to build right now. And things like this feel to me like a Russiagate QAnon sidestep release valve. We see it too. Masks kind of don't work, right? Oh, it's just this one. Take this one though. Oh, two are bad. Take a third shot. Like giving us little pieces of it. Like we'll get into today with natural immunity, which is pathetic. Admitting what we've always been saying in a sort of true way by saying, but, but, but get the injection because this adds that they're lying to you by keeping the agenda going, by giving you what the, what people may mistake for truth. As Peter Sweden points out, and I'm increasingly finding his account very interesting to follow. He's doing a great job on not just Sweden, but a lot of different things. It's happening, he says. Britain has announced that they are scrapping the vaccine passport and people will no longer be required to wear face masks. This is fantastic. But it's the same point. I think this is only happening because they've decided that we, whether this was always the plan or whether we pushed back enough to stop it or whatever it is, this is a stopping point. This is the planned fortification. Or, you know, or because we push back fortification, just like we talked about with Jordan Peterson, not us with Jordan Peterson, but the clip that we've played many times about how that actually works, how it gets to the point well, where think things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to. It's a great analogy. And he goes into it and goes back and forth. The point is that they do that over and over and over. They go back just in, I mean, do you, do you realize how far this went past our comfort zone? And then they stop and now we act like we won. We don't, are we going back? No, we're staying right where we are until we get comfortable here. And then they initiate it once again. Now, whether that's Boris Johnson, he already's kicked out of the way and the next person steps into the puppet role. It doesn't matter. We have to see that. Here's what Johnson has to say, and this is great. I mean, I'm happy to see it, but these, the bottom line is, if he's now standing up and saying, well, we're moving the mask mandate, or no more of any of this stuff, why exactly? Where's the new data, Boris? Did you just get some new study that said everything you said before was wrong? Well, no, there is no new information right now. So are you admitting you've always been wrong, or are you finally discovering you've always been wrong? And in either way, who's accountable for that? You see how that works? You don't just get to go, up, oh, our bad, roll back. I keep making this point. When politicians do stuff like this, they get to just resign in disgrace and avoid accountability. Next time I get accused of a crime, can I quit my job and pretend like that's good enough? No, you guys committed crimes and you need to be held accountable for that. Right now, rolling back mask mandates needs to be explained. I'm not saying it should be stopped. That's the best thing that's happened, but they're doing it to make, to get you off their back. Ask them what changed. Why now is it rolling back? Why now are there no longer mandates or any other restrictions? Aren't, didn't you like three days ago tell us we were all going to die? How does that make sense? We have to dig into this. As I said, or, 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 excuse me, haven't played the clip yet. Getting worked up already. Can you tell? This, these people drive me crazy. Here it is. We can return to plan A in England and allow plan B regulations to expire. As a result, from the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. 
organisations can, of course, choose to use the NHS COVID pass voluntarily, but we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. And there's the big point right there, guys. That is happening everywhere, just like the mandate in the US, right? Nothing stopped, not even remotely. The mandate never even officially took place, even though they pretended it was and drove people to take action. The companies, the business, the, the, the colleges, the hospitals, they're all still doing it by and large. So that was probably the plan. That's the whole kind of push and then retreat kind of idea. And it's happening right in front of you, right? So they're going to keep doing it in this country because they've already convinced a lot of the population that that's the right thing to do, whether or not you force them. And that's what's crazy. We've been, we've allowed them to drive to this place. But we will end the compulsory use of COVID status certification in England. Oh, I also want to add to the point about how much has gone into this. Like, do you realize how much long-term effort has gone into preparing the Green Pass? And that's why it's called the Green Pass, not even related to COVID-19. There's a lot that coordinates around this Build Back Better. And let's not, let's not be that naive to think they're just going to go, okay, you got us. We're done. We're rolling all back. 20 years of planning, or a lot more than that in regard to plenty of other facets. But, I mean, I know a lot of people don't agree or believe that that is the case, despite their exact documentation saying exactly that and their open discussions over 20 years saying they're building here. Yeah, despite the facts, <laughs> it's clearly interesting to watch that happen. And not we have to see that this isn't the end. That's the point. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. Yeah. And people should now speak to their employers about arrangements for returning to the office. And having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Okay, so as I said in my tweet, having looked at the data carefully, <laughs> after two years, good job, Boris. The data was the same on day one. And that's the crazy part. All the garbage, nonsense, observational lab study BS they've jammed in after like a week throughout the process is not even remotely at the same level as the random controlled trial, gold standard, peer-reviewed science that from before, during, and after continues to say they do not have a statistically significant effect on transmission. That's N95 down to cloth mask. The worst part, in their mind, the best part of the cloth mask is that it created an, a, a very clear like vortex of increased infection for a lot of different reasons. That's what the only random controlled trial about cloth masks in 2015 found. An increase, a large increase, risk of infection. They actually said we shouldn't use them for that for that reason. And then right when this started, they said that's the only thing you should use. Why is that? Oh, it's weird how now we're saying none of them. That's the only one that doesn't work. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, it shouldn't be crazy. It should be very, very obvious because there is not some new study that said only these ones don't work. Lena Wen and Gottlieb just said it on a show one day and then suddenly it became gospel. Isn't that funny? And it shouldn't be funny. It should it should be disgusting. It should make your skin crawl for how obviously these people are sycophants that have no idea what they're talking about. So Boris just goes, oh, I've looked at the same thing again today and decided to change. No, it's narrative, shifting of the narrative. They need to be held criminally accountable for what they did to the population, mass included. Suddenly stopping the infection-causing tyrannical act does not remove you from responsibility. But that's as sure as hell what they're going to hope for. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker.
Which, by the way, it's very clear that it, at least half of the chamber does not agree, right? Isn't it funny how you've had some politicians forcing their beliefs on everyone in their countries, despite even some of their own grouping of politicians not agreeing? Doesn't that define interesting to you? Yeah, it, it's just amazing how they're jamming it down your throat is the science and everyone agrees when clearly that's not true. Wherever you look, U.S., anywhere. But that doesn't stop anything from happening. Mr. Speaker, from, from tomorrow... From tomorrow, we will no longer require face masks in classrooms, and the Department, and the Department for Education will shortly remove national guidance uh, on their use in communal areas. In the country at large, we will continue to suggest the use of face coverings in enclosed or crowded spaces, particularly when you come into contact with people you don't normally meet, but we will trust the judgment of the British people. And no- again, so again, why now? That is the most important question in this whole little spiel. Why? Why now? Why suddenly are you trusting the the, the mindset of the average person? Because that should have been the whole point from the very beginning. Oh, that's right, because we pretend to live in free countries. You should have been like, oh, here's what we think we should do. Here's what the data says. Make your choice. Why now? Why is it suddenly more acceptable to do that now? You see what I mean? Like, there is no logic to this. This is what we always should have done. They're just giving it to you now as if they're giving you freedom. You don't get to steal. This is like locking you in a small cage for two years and then putting you into a little bit bigger cage and saying, there you go, you're free. (laughs) No, we're not. I was just running in a huge field two years ago. This is not free. You're not giving back what you took. You're giving us a piece and you're pretending you gave it back. No longer criminalize anyone who chooses not to wear one. The government will also ease restrictions further on visits to care homes. And my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, will set out plans in the coming days. Mr Speaker, as we return to Plan A, the House will know that some measures still remain, including those on self-isolation. Ridiculous. Why? Right? Trust the science as we just roll out a completely contradictory set of standards based on nothing but opinion and narrative. But trust the science, right? Uh, It's just such a clown show that we're watching. Here's another example as Israel's finance minister out of nowhere calls for the ending of the Green Pass, right? Well, that should have happened like six months ago when we realized that it had no effect on transmission and it was still spreading and that they had the higher viral load. And yeah, but now we're going to do it because you guys see us for what we are. Isn't that interesting? This is really ridiculous. And I think the only reason this is happening is because they have people that are supposed to be on their side who are beginning to bite at their ankles, right? They're going like, wait a minute, the natives are restless. What's happening here? They have to pull this back. They're not stopping though. That's the important part. So here, even though that's happening, right? In the US too, we see this, all the rolling back of how we're acting and the different changing of narratives, but this is still happening right now. This is in a new West Charter LA school Unvaccinated students segregated behind barriers, not allowed to attend class. They're asked for chairs. They were denied and are sitting on the pavement, not allowed to even use the restroom, according to them. LAPD is on site, the police, but not intervening. Litigation from them, uh, let them choose already pending. And I'll, I'll play this for you and then show you the litigation. Just the point here, guys, being uninjected, and you hear me say this every show, does not make you sick by default. I mean, it's incredible that we even have to clarify that. You're not sick because you don't have an injection. That has never been the case with the flu or anything else before. But suddenly now you're by default a risk to everybody because you don't do something. I mean, that's just absolutely bonkers. 
Well, let's watch the clip. I mean, this is sad. This is really sad that we're watching this happen to the very grouping of people, by the way, they pretend they're trying to save, right? The children, the younger people. Hello, my name is Elena Hoom, and I'm a student at New West Charter School, and I'm here with five other girls. Um, four of them are freshmen, one is a junior, I'm a sophomore, and we're being uh, threatened to be suspended because we don't have the COVID-19 vaccine, and we're being um, refused of the right to attend school. And the point quick here is that this is exactly what I'm saying is the schools are doing it anyway. Segregated and discriminated. And we're being closed off by this caution tape-like thing. We're being segregated from the rest of the school. Um, yeah. Isn't that, I mean, that's crazy to me. Just the whole presence of it. Why? Because they're, because they're healthy? I mean, look, let's be clear about this. They're not sick. Like, I mean, you, could, you could sit there and pretend, well, they could be. Well, so too could the person who's vaccinated across the line over there. They could be sick too, right? We know that. We've all proven that. That's very clear. In fact, they have a higher risk right now of being sick. Now, you could argue that they have less of symptoms, but now we're in a whole other conversation, right? They're not sick. They're not showing symptoms. Every historical idea of respiratory virus in the past, they're not showing symptoms. They're not sick. They're sitting there. So you're telling them because they're healthy and uninjected that there are risks to everybody, despite the fact that the injected person across that barrier has a higher risk, higher viral load in every possible way. And in Scotland and the UK and in Ontario and in Australia, it seems that in many cases they have a higher risk per 100,000 anyway. Nobody wants to talk about this, but me, it seems. Here is. The litigation. Oh, I think I have it right here too. And New West Charter School vaccine mandate. You can chime in for yourself. Support them if you'd like. You know, probably just moments until GoFundMe just deletes it anyway and steals the money, which is what they seem to do. But here is somebody following up, giving you their perspective. Well, let's see what their perspective is. Oh, in case you missed it, guess what? The Great Reset is the World Economic Forum's proposal for post-recovery uh, economic recovery, Reuters fact check. Oh, they don't even say what their fact check is. I was laughing at it earlier. They did a fact check, by the way. Did you know that the Great Reset is not about tyranny? It's not about financial control? Because Reuters says, <laughs> Woo, I feel so much better. <laughs> yeah, and you know why they know that? Because they asked Klaus and he said so. Great stuff. Anyway, going back over here, here's what Kevin has to say in regard to these children being segregated and roped off because they're not injected. Not because they're sick, because they're not injected. It says, first day back. So let's make sure we understand that. So first day back to school, and they probably already got exposed. Okay. So your logic is that they, so they all came back to school, which by the way, by the way, they're been tested and you know, you know how all this garbage goes right now. So they're let back in because they're tested and so on. So they're, they're in school, not sick. And we're going to pretend that they somehow got exposed while in school to somebody else who already came through the checks and balances? How does that even make sense? So while in school, when everybody else came through and were told they're not sick, in the meantime, got sick, what are they, testing every 20 minutes? Like, think about how dumb that is. But this is, but you don't bother to read policy. Exposed students and employees who are not fully vaccinated must self-quarantine. Okay, so we're dumb for not reading their internal school policy, but he's not dumb for completely misunderstanding how this actually works. Why in the world would you only quarantine people who are not fully injected seeing as how right now the risk is double in the uk and plenty of other places pretty much everywhere in the world we're seeing a dramatically increased risk just of catching it they claim it's only omicron okay so then you have a double or it was four to five times in fact higher viral load in many cases 
they're spreading it, they're catching it. In fact, the vaccinated can still infect an unvaccinated person because they're still able to spread it. The risk is the same, if not higher, right? So then why would you only remove the people who are not injected? It doesn't even make sense, even if you think they're higher risk. It does not make sense. Then ask yourself why, in the middle of the first day back, they somehow got quarantined after an exposure. The only way that would make sense is if they tested these people in the middle of the day, which is absolutely BS to me. BS crazy. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I don't want to cuss. Also, there is a charter school. It says, this is your school choice agenda in action. Choose homeschool. These people are ridiculous. I mean, you know how clownish that is? I mean, that's like saying, oh, you know what? We're going to put in a mandate at your work right? So I know you've been working there your whole life and you've already got your setup and you like it or whatever, even if it's a school and you've only been there for so many years, you've already got the way you like it. You got your friends, you like everything working, but you know what? You can just choose to work from your house instead because we change things that you don't like. Is that okay, Kevin? Just go work in your cubicle at home and never see anybody again, right? These people are applying this in a way that only applies to them. You don't get to choose to not. What about the fact that they already paid for the school? You know, he, he doesn't care about these facts. It's all a choice in his mind as they remove all these things from your life. But then let's recognize these people are quarantined behind a, a barrier right there. Use of the right. Outside, despite the fact that they were at school that day. I don't know. The bottom line is, guys, this is punishment for people that are not doing what they're told. And by the way, these, these are children. Or not children, but adolescents with parents. And yet they're the ones being attacked. Next. Oh, wait, there was a, oh, that's after that one. And then I wanted to share this video and then I'll show you the last part on this little segment of exactly what we're talking about here. And these, the, the kids we're seeing in this clip here, in my opinion, are not my opinion, quite obviously are the ones that are at least have parents that allow them to think for themselves, show a little bit of discernment, have their own opinion, which is, you know, absolutely forbidden today. Of course, you can't think for yourself. Here is why this is happening or how this is happening. They're re, they're, they're, jamming this into their minds at young ages and allowing them to think you're a good person for repeating what we're telling you. That's how it's, that's how our school systems work. It's indoctrination. That's not even my opinion. It's, a, it's at least in the U.S. It's a Prussian-based system. You can look this up. It is based on creating obedient workers. It's not my opinion. It's historical fact. So you're in a school system where you all raise your hands at the same time and stand up in lines and everyone's trained how to be in order and do the right thing and do follow authority. And that's how it's meant to go. Now, you may think those are good things, but some people disagree. The point is, you keep these children in line, and then you dump them into the world with these new ideas. Sort of how some children over the last so many years were born and grew up in a time and never experienced a world where their country wasn't at constant war. So to them, war is normal. In fact, it now translates to freedom. See how that works? But it doesn't, in fact. It's actually the very reason people are less free. The problem today is that you treat these children or you you force the ideas in their heads and this is how they go out into the world and spread these ideas and act like they're virtuous. Time's out. Oui, tous les dons on une seule dose. And for those in the podcast, it's in French. Bottom line is they're asking them, what would you do if you know somebody's unvaccinated? Ah oui, est-ce que vous êtes d'accord, vous autres, avec la vaccination Are you in favor of mandatory vaccination? Oui, oui. Oh. Ah, oh, oui, hein? yes, they wow. say. On dirait que je les ai drillés, Julie. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> Puis qu'est-ce qu'on devrait faire avec les gens qui veulent pas se faire vacciner? Asking children, what should we do with the people who don't want the vaccine? After they all yell, yes, we should have mandatory vaccination. Je devrais 
He says, we should call the police. That's not a joke. This child, his first thought, what not even like a what happens if you find out they're just unvaccinated? That's it. And they don't want the shot. Not that they're sick, not that they're a risk to anybody. They just don't want the thing that they don't need by and large, most people, most ages, most categories, with increased risk, and on and on and on. He says we should call the police. Then the the adults. Go, yes, yes. They all scream and yell and yay. Finally, we have somebody who agrees that unvaccinated are people that should be put in prison. La police. Ooh, oui. 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 Ont pas leur vaccin, ça... he says if, she says if they don't have the vaccine, it can make a lot of people in danger. So like what the government does right now, we should cut everything from them. Little by little until they submit and get vaccinated. Isn't that great? To her, this is virtuous. To her, this is saving people's lives because she's been completely brainwashed. We should for we should remove parts of their life until they do what we want. And that's called choice. Right? It's your choice to go along with it. It's your choice to have to to allow them to put you into a corner where you have nothing but what they give you unless you go along with what they tell you you have to do. Choice. Right? Ah, shoot. So it says it looks like we've got some future politicians here. <laughs> I love this guy, right? This classic man bun, weird mustache, like, yeah. Children and mandatory vaccinations and forced you know, removing rights. Yay! <laughs> just these people are ridiculous. I just, you know, it's just so incredible to me that this is something they're cheering. We should force it on people because they're bad human beings. Yay! I mean, that's irrational. It's irrational. And this guy literally, after I share this video, and all I say is indoctrination of children. Now, I don't even care. I mean, even if I agreed with what they were saying, to, in, to bring children onto an adult stage and have them discuss an adult political topic about forcing medical interventions on adults. How is that not indoctrination? I don't care what your topic is. You're using children to manipulate people just like, just like Sanjay Gupta did on CNN with Sesame Street. This is disgusting. But here's what this guy has to say. Mr. Virtuous, the abuse of this video. The abuse of the video? How is it abuse to share the video? I didn't alter the video. <laughs> by COVIDians, right? Because that's what we are. Of the far right, this guy is just completely lost, is simply disgusting and shameful. As I said, far right. Well, until you can see beyond the childish two-party deception, you will remain lost. I see all of you lost in the left and right as equally ridiculous and willfully ignorant. You are clearly no exception to no response, of course, because people lost the two-party paradigm have no response for that because they're banking on the foul, you far right, white supremacist. That's all they got buzzword, buzzword, far right, buzzword, white supremacy, or the, or the left, same point, or the right, same way. It's the same thing, reduced down to nonsensical talking points that they believe in. And all of them are doing it to all of you, and you're all being lost, if you still partake in the two-party illusion, guys. Now here, it's another sidestep of the narrative, or really, as I called it in this tweet, half- uh, half walk back BS because what it really is 
This article from CNN literally says vaccination protects against really the quote, both vaccination and prior infection help protect against COVID infection. Before we read the second part of that sentence, can we all laugh about the fact? I mean, I I should have grabbed this first. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Yep, that's the first one. This is so stupid. I just can't even get past how dumb this is. That aged well. Here's Mother Jones, Kira Butler, who's going to love this article for the rest of her life. Anti-vaxxers have a dangerous theory. This really dangerous theory called, in quotes, natural immunity. Now it's going mainstream. <laughs> I mean, wow, that's just really bad, right? And it's not a joke. Read it. I went over this and we did a whole segment on this. It, that's how bad this got for a brief moment. Well, it still is bad, but obviously like really stupid. And so now CNN is saying both vaccination and prior infection can help against COVID infections. So this is my point. I'll just restart with this one. What they are saying above is half truth. And the part that's true that natural infection can do this, they grudgingly admit to was being called dangerous conspiracy theory by these same people like five minutes ago. These people are string-pulled, repeating clowns. I can't even get past how funny this is to watch if it wasn't so disgusting and ruining people's lives. You just told us that natural infection was completely undefined and ridiculous. Now, because CDC puts out a ridiculous study, all of their studies are short, small, quick, and defined. We have had studies, which I'll briefly go over in a moment, from the moment this started all the way till now, that show you lasting, durable, robust, natural immunity. T-cell immune, memory B, antibodies, everything. And yet Fauci's still like, well, we don't know for sure. Like a week ago. This is how stupid that they think we are. So finishing the sentence, both vaccination and prior infection help protect against COVID infections, but vaccination protects against hospitalization significantly more than natural immunity. (laughs) This is just such a ridiculous grasping conclusion based on nothing of the kind Now, what really it's talking about, first of all, let's be clear. Natural immunity is not like they're trying to frame their immunity where it's like patched together and it gets one part, but doesn't do this over here. It gets some antibodies, but wanes really quickly and T cells kind of go, but then they go right back down. No memory B. None of that is happening in natural immunity. It is across the board, lasting, durable, robust antibodies, which wane slightly after a while, which they always do because they're not meant to go on forever, but T cells go up. Memory B goes up. Your immunity seems durable, lasting, and robust for possibly the rest of your life in every possible way. Not just death, not just cases, not, but all of it. Cases, hospitalization, natural, all of it. That's what immunity is supposed to be. So when they play this ridiculous game, one, they're trying to undermine that natural immunity somehow only does certain things. So you have to compare them in different categories. That's just dumb. That's not what's happening. And they're trying to undermine the natural immunity while admitting what they just said was so dumb like a minute ago. But that's my point about the half walk back BS because they know they're rolling this back. So they're not going to come out and be like, yeah, natural immunity is good. It always was. We're wrong. They're going to go, well, it kind of works. Even though we were just saying that was really stupid of you to say before, it kind of works a little bit, but still get the vaccine though. Even though there's multiple peer-reviewed studies that show you that if you get the vaccine after the injection, that is dangerous for you. That's called, or potentially can be called, antibody-dependent enhancement. Right? That's, that's the point. We keep trying to reiterate from Journal of Infection, peer-reviewed science from August 9th, 2021, that infection-enhancing anti-SARS-CoV-2 antibodies recognize both original Wuhan strain and Delta, and it goes on to discuss just future variants of concern. The bottom line is if you're taking something which is still based on the original strain, which this is what they all are, all of them, 
save for maybe this new thing they're pumping out in 100 days that's going to be based on something that, again, is outdated. All of the ones that are out there being taken are based on this strain. And then they're coming up against a new variant that they are not making antibodies for. That creates antibody-dependent enhancement. So just then, and there's a bunch of other peer-reviewed science I could pull, but in interest of time, recognize that they're telling you, just get the vaccine too, even though the peer-reviewed science says that that's dangerous. Well, what else? Everything else they're telling you to do is dangerous too, or at the least undefined. We don't know if it's safe for pregnant people, as their study says right now. We don't know if it's safe for immunocompromised. We don't know if it's safe for frail, frail people with... Uh, was it uh, oh, comorbidities? I'll include this since I'm talking about it. Community risk management plan from November 25th, 2021. Just review this for yourself. All the missing information, use in frail patients with comorbidities. That's old people, elderly. Limited information on the safety, but let's jam it in them first. That's probably why they all died so quickly. Patients in immuno, immuno, uh, autoimmune, inflammatory, interaction with other vaccines like the flu vaccine, long-term safety data, they have none of this stuff. The long-term safety data is unknown. I've shown this so many times. I don't know why that's not relevant to people. I, I just it's being ignored. So according to this, it says that the, oh, so let's jump into this. Actually, where's where we're going next? I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> oh, before we go into the CDC study, actually, just to make this clear, very quickly, Let's just breeze through these. I'll include them in the show notes as they're literally pretending. Well, actually, I'll show this really quickly. Just one of the things they say on the CDC study that data are limited regarding the risks of basically infection and hospitalization after vaccination and previous infection. So what they're admitting to here is that they are, the data is apparently limited in regard to getting sick after getting injected. Hardly. <laughs> Hardly. That's crazy. But the craziest part is to pretend that the, ad, the data is limited of people getting the infection and then getting sick. It's That's ridiculous. And I'll show you why. Going back from 2020 all the way till now, it doesn't matter how far you go. Nature had, co- had COVID, probably make them for the rest of your life. Antibodies and memory B and T-cell in your bone marrow, probably the rest of your life. Here's the NIH from 2021. Lasting immunity found after COVID-19. That's the NIH, but Fauci doesn't know. Apparently, he's confused. Here's the WHO. Natural immunity. Within four weeks following infection, up to 99% of people had detectable neutralizing antibodies, right? Not, not enhancing, but neutralizing. That's the difference with the journal, stu- the, this study, right? Infection enhancing is not what you want. Or how about the Lancet? Protective immunity after recovery from SARS-CoV-2. And the most important part is zero per 100. Those who had previously been infected with COVID-19 at an incident rate of zero per 100 people. Zero. That's the Lancet. But let's keep pretending like we're so confused and we don't know for sure. Here's the Lancet simply adding to that saying stigmatizing the unvaccinated is not justified. Same point, same exact. Now, they're telling you this is not justified because they're not the problem when taken into the full picture. At the very least, they're equally a part of the problem, which I even disagree with. But that's what they're arguing here. So it still challenges their narrative. Here's science. Ultra-potent antibodies against diverse and highly transmissible variants. This is one of the most important ones. As I've continued to show you, it tells you very clearly that their study demonstrates that convalescent subjects, people that are recovering, and specifically talking about people that got sick in 2020, previously infected with the ancestral variant, that's the Wuhan original, produce antibodies that cross-neutralize against variants of concern with high potency. It's doing that now against Omicron. I was doing that against Delta. People are continuing to make them going forward. That is not happening with the injection. 
as even they're admitting, because Omicron's ruining everything, not for those with natural immunity, which is more than half the population, unless you got the injection after having natural immunity, which is not good for you, not only because it increases your risk, as we've showed many, many times, but because, oh, here, I'll do it this way, because it actually lowers, in one case, or removes antibodies from your blood. Is that we? So the key message from our finding is that we found that recipients of the Pfizer vaccine, those who've had two doses, have about five to six-fold lower amounts of neutralizing antibodies. Now these are the sort of gold standard private security. Now we've played that many times as well. Important to understand that this is not something that can be quibbled about, right? The data backs this up. The only difference is they're just hiding this from you. Even the Red Cross had to censor their own website because they came out and backed this up the moment that this report came out. On your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. Exactly. Okay, so you have the you have natural infection, which most people probably already did based on the even the CDC's estimate. Then you take the injection, then you're back in the mix. You're right back in your risk zone. People that didn't are the ones that are not. That This is why if this grows forward. We're seeing more and more and more of the problem grow around the people that are injected. That's not, you could make the argument that that's only because they're the largest population part of the percentage. And that's a valid point to make in some degree, but it's not the whole picture. And that does not equal up. And we'll show you that next, not even remotely. But going forward, here's another one from science. Having SARS-CoV-2 once confers much greater immunity than a vaccine. But they go on to say, but vaccination remains vital. Now you read this for yourself. We already did in a past show. It's just the sort of sides, the, the argument they make. So it pleases the crowd that's about to attack them and make them canceled, right? You read it basically simply saying that vaccines have been shown to do this. And so we should keep using them. But if you read the data about that part of it, it's all you need to see. If you've had SARS-CoV-2, Two, once, if you believe that's what's happening, you have much greater immunity than a vaccine, period. Then you factor that in with the rest of them. It lasts the rest of your life. It is lasting after recovery that 99% of people have it, that it zero, I mean, all this stuff going forward, that it lasts the rest of your life, that regardless of disease severity, which is another Lancet study, it continues. Then you can add to the point that this study shows you that people before COVID-19, pre-existing, a majority of adults already had antibody reactivity before SARS-CoV-2. That could be because it was already circulating or because as many studies have found, cold, SARS, and different situations already gave people antibodies that we're applying today. And then once we dumped the vaccine into the situation, it only removed those and hurt the situation. Likely many people already had this before. Then, same point. Uninfected controls already showed T-cell immunity, meaning people that had none of this stuff were already showing T-cell immunity against SARS-CoV-2. There's a lot of the stuff that they chose to ignore. On top of this one, children develop robust and sustained cross-reactive spike-specific immune responses. All of these continue to show you that it's cross-reactive even, that it applies to other situations, variants of concern. This is not even remotely close to this failing, waning after a month thing that only applies to original strains that aren't happening now that they want you to take multiple doses going forward forever. There is not even close. 
to what we're actually talking about here. They're trying to hide this from you because this is your future if you go along with what they're saying. We're now watching countries like Israel see their cases surge to spark high vaccination rates. How important are boosters to maintaining this no lockdown plan and how soon we need to get them so that we can maintain these freedoms we're being promised? We need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. Um, I can't see that COVID is not going to be with us forever. Um, maybe in the future we can have even better vaccines and coverage across the world to achieve that. I mean, as a public health doctor, we always want to have diseases go, um, get totally eliminated, but that's not on the horizon in the near future. So booster doses, repeat doses will be part of it. You know, there'll be different advice about different schedules, which doses you get. But at the moment, our priority has to be getting first and second doses into people. And there will be recommendations about booster doses in the future. And I can assure you that the Commonwealth Government has, produced, has purchased a large quantities of vaccine into 2022. And this will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's New South Wales. We're going to talk about that next in, in one case. Now, here's the, the CDC, or excuse me, the CNN purporting of the CDC study. Now, you're going to find how ridiculous this is. When the Delta variant dominated, so first of all, we're not even discussing the new situation, vaccination and prior infection protected. So they're telling you, we knew before, we knew that the infect, prior infection was helping you. We just pretended you were crazy for saying it back when we knew that until we wanted to admit it to you. Isn't that incredible? Like, so this is the, this is information that was back in Delta time. This has always been there. We told you then we were right then they censored us for it, but vaccination was safest. They say this is put out today. Here's why they're saying that. And this is why this is so incredibly dishonest. Look at what the actual study says by early, first of all, by early October, persons who survived a previous infection had lower case rates than persons who were unvaccinated or vaccinated alone. So we're at a point now where we can clearly see in general that if you've been previously infected, you are not being affected the same way. Oh, I thought there was, shoot, there was one of the parts that I wanted to share in there. Oh, the bottom line was, oh, I know it was, I didn't need to highlight it. So what they're basically saying here, guys, is that the reason it's safer is the same old trope they keep using. Well, because COVID-19 is super dangerous. Well, it's really not. In fact, for the vast majority of people, but they're telling you that you shouldn't try to get COVID because then you'll get natural immunity, but that risk of COVID is much more dangerous. So take the injection, which they claim has no danger, which it obviously does, because that leads to a lesser version of that protection, but you don't get the risk of COVID. So it's better. That's the, that's the argument. So what they're doing is couching in between all of this, admitting that prior infection has an effect, but, but dumping a bunch of garbage on you that we already knew that has no bearing on whether natural immunity is in fact better than all of it. This is their garbage. They're, this is what they're doing in front of you. And it's just pathetic because they're trying to pretend like they're bringing information to you. You've been hearing this from us from day one. They've been censoring people and hiding behind it. The government who forces their narrative on you the whole time. It's frustrating. Now you can read this for yourself. It's very obvious that they're pretending they don't have all the information while admitting to you that people who are injected are at more risk, which bringing into the point is exactly what this continues to show you. You know, this is the one from last week. We're waiting for the next one to come out, but just showing you right out of the gate again, that the reports from the cases in the UK, not only show you the vast majority of the cases, which again, I have right here from the last last report where it was, where was it? 73% of the total 
which by the way, I forgot to include the unlinked, which I just added to this for this last one, which by the way is weird because no one else seems to have unlinked. The Scotland doesn't have those, but that accounts for 7%. But the point was nonetheless that it's to only 20% of the uninjected are the cases. The rest of that are people not or injected to one degree or another. The risk is double, right? You're at a double the risk. That's the point. Right now, you have twice the risk of getting sick in general. So going back to the point, if it's all about stopping transmission, which isn't happening, which they know they can still do, which they admitted this doesn't stop, and the risk of catching it is doubled in almost every category, which is literally what you're looking at. This is not vaccinated or not injected. This is injected. Look at the number breakdown. In most categories, it is almost double. So this is showing you the pandemic of the injected. They're spreading it more. They're catching it more. Now you can continue to argue, which I don't agree with, that the risk is lower. And that is what this next part, the data, they argue that it's less, but I'll I'll ask you to make up your own mind when you compare it with Scotland and everywhere else. But that's a different conversation in regard to how this is spreading, right? And that's the only point we're really getting at in this one part is that the pandemic of the injected is becoming undeniably obvious. Now. When you get into these other ones where it talks about the per 100,000, you can clearly see that they're arguing that the risk is much higher in everything but cases. When you look at the case breakdown, you can see that, I mean, look at this, look at this breakdown, 330 per 100,000 compared to 88, and that's the most at risk. Aren't they supposed to be the most protected? Now, we're not talking about, we're not talking about dying here. We're talking about cases. So you can't pretend, oh, they're old. They're all dying. No, they're getting a case. So if we're staring at this information and you're giving over 80s the most of this and they're the most boosted, they're the most injected, and yet you're seeing not a double, not a triple, almost a quadrupling of the risk, how does that make sense? They're supposed to be the most protected because they're the most injected and they're the most at risk. And yet they have four times the risk of getting sick. Right? I mean, there's no explanation for that. Now, the point is, that, again, per 100,000 and the majority of the numbers too. But going back to the other parts of it, I want us to consider how this is, how, you know, it, it, questions that we should be asking about this. Now, I have a couple of thoughts that I wanted to add to this because Scotland, Australia, Ontario, they all show a different picture. So it could be that all three of those other locations are somehow wrong, confused, lying to you, right? It's certainly possible. And this is hiding something. Or, or rather that this is correct and the other way around that this could be hiding something and that they could all be right. I don't understand why these places will be showing you what they're showing you, right? I mean, that's just an honest thing to ask, but I ultimately want us to think about this in a couple of different points. Let me see if it's on. It's not freezing on me. Okay, good. Now, I had a couple of thoughts on this in regard to why we might be seeing that. Now we have to think, and this this are this is just asking the question, not trying to like confirmation bias style, trying to find things that add up to what I'm saying, because I'm trying to figure out why that would be different. One of them could simply be that let's say Scotland is just wrong, right? That would be one obvious point. I don't think that's what's happening. But what about the fact that vaccinated people are not reporting all their problems? In the same way that they would argue that unvaccinated people are lying about all their problems, right? I can't put you some, I can't give you a defined number just like they can because it's more subjective, but we know it's happening to some degree. We have to admit that there's probably some level of people out there that are lying at the Bayer's report because they believe it's true and they want to just add to that, you know, lying for their truth, as it were, even though it does, in my opinion, clearly show what they think they're lying for. The bottom line is we know for a fact that there are vaccinated people that have been convinced that they are 
hurting the agenda by reporting their problems, by creating vaccine hesitancy, even if it's true. Remember that, but that was right in the beginning. Then, then you can go down a little bit further to people that are just having some, you know, hospital level stuff, but not to the point where they're dying, but they just don't go in. You know, they're dealing with their tremor, their tremors or their never ending headaches or whatever else continues to happen, right? We know that's happening to a degree or just simply hiding it, lying about it. There's a lot of different things we can factor in, but that is absolutely a factor. And then the other part comes into play when you look at this information in regard to, uh, where was it? The, who they're not including. Oh, actually, I think that was in Scotland. We'll get there in a second. One thing that's happening here is they're not including in some of these locations, or they're at least acknowledging that they don't have a full picture of the unvaccinated. Because same point here, by the way, and this is the same point applies. Case rates are calc and all the, the information on not just case rates, but every, all the information here is calculated using a database. Uh, it's called NIMS. We've talked about it before of named individuals from which the new, the uh, numerator and denominator come from the same source. That is a good record of vaccination status. Okay. That's the point though, right? What about the tracking of the unvaccinated? How do we know for sure that they have all of those numbers? It's a fair point to ask. And even on Scotland, they say, well, the, the vaccinated, unvaccinated number could be more than we show because we don't know for sure how much it is. Well, that's an interesting caveat, isn't it? Because if you increase the unvaccinated number, well, that's going to lower the problem, right? Or at the, I mean, the assumption could be that there would be no problems there and it would it could lower the number at the very least. These are interesting points. Not that it changes everything, just to think about that. I am almost certain, think of it like this. If HHS, Health and Human Services and Harvard does their own study on Bayer's and comes to the conclusion that it's only 1% of the actual total, that's what we have to consider. Those are vaccinated people having a problem. So if, they're, if we're only getting 1%, <clears throat> and this is what this is discussing, hospitalizations, deaths, those are all VAERS reports, then we can almost promise that what we're actually looking at is times it by 100. And then that would make this look quite different, wouldn't it? Now, just thoughts, just thoughts to think of, to consider as we go into the next part of it. Now, just really quickly to break down last week's report on the UK, don't forget, we saw only 20% of the uninjected were in, were the cases. 73% of the total were people who were fully injected. The risk of that was almost was almost double. Then only 35% of the hospitalizations in that month were uninjected. 64.5 of the hospitalizations were people who were injected. Then we have deaths. 70% of all the deaths were people who were injected. That seems like a lot more than rare to me. Only 29% uninjected. And that's after 28 days. Now, jumping into the next part of it, uh, before we get into Scotland, I want to make a couple of quick points about what they're saying in regard to the UK data, especially after we're looking at this information and seeing that obviously double the risk in cases, the risk and the full numbers, which is almost 80%, on top of the fact that the majority of the numbers, even if they argue the risk is lower, of hospitalizations and deaths are on the side of the fully injected. Here's what they're saying in effectiveness, specifically against symptomatic disease right? That's called transmission, right? They're talking about symptomatic. Well, I guess arguably they could say that that's reducing your symptoms. But when you, when you see the way they discuss it, we're pretty much talking about transmission. And what they're arguing here, first of all, is that they're still pretending 80 to 95%, even though we're talking relative risk reduction. So they're still playing that lie as far as they can. But as it says down here, it says 90, uh, effectiveness increases to 93.8%. 
AstraZeneca, but then 94.3% for those receiving the Pfizer injection on the booster. Right? So we're literally talking about the booster in regard to having some kind of 94.3% effectiveness. Yet, how is that the case if we're watching this happen the opposite? They're talking about people that are injected fully, which in, in many cases includes the booster, yet we're watching it explode in those exact categories. I don't understand how 94.3 translates to anything we're talking about in any way whatsoever. Effectiveness against hospitalization. Same point. It says effectiveness against hospitalization is over 90% with the Delta variant and all three vaccines. It's weird that they would shift back over to the Delta variant, isn't it? Even though this discussion is about something else. But the point is that that's not even remotely accurate especially once we get into the public health of Scotland, which, by the way, is included in the UK data. If right now in the public health of Scotland, we are seeing the vast majority of hospitalizations on the side of the boosted and the vast majority of the the risk being on the side of the boosted, the same point, that doesn't add up at all. We'll show you next. I just want to make sure that you're clear that they keep saying these things, even though the data doesn't back it up. This one, same point. Effectiveness hospitalization increases to 98.8%, they're saying. 98%. What a joke. Effectiveness against mortality, right? So if there are, I mean, even even if you want to take this, like for instance, let's look at this under the idea of hospitalization. They're saying that it's 98.8% effective. Okay, so how about we look at hospitalizations real quick and realize, or rather look at this because this is the actual breakdown of hospitalizations right here. So if we're looking at, 13,514 hospitalizations in that same time frame. That's the same report we're looking at. 64.5% of those hospitalizations were in people fully injected. 64.5%. Only 35% uninjected. So if we're going back to this and we're pretending it's 98% effective, and even if you have, I mean, look, that should mean that you would have a very, very, very small percentage of people that are hospitalized, regardless of how big the number is. Then you realize that in, what is it? I have it right here. In the in the population, the UK is 71% of the population fully injected. If it's 98%, point, 98.8% effective, how in the world are we seeing 64% of the K of the hospitalizations currently in that category. I mean, guys, it doesn't matter how you're trying to act like one is worse than the other. That does not add up. They're lying to you. And look, I mean, even if you believe that these are working and that they are in reduce, uh, you're at more risk if you're unvaccinated, it still shows you that they're lying to you. I don't know how that could be any more clear. It's just simple math. It doesn't make any sense. Now, I could go over that for a long time. There's more in there, but I'm going to jump over to this. And this is the newest report as of January 19th, Public Health Scotland in the breakdown. Now, oh, there's a couple points here I wanted to get at before we get into the graphs. Note this, which I continue to find interesting. All all these different reports from Ontario to there, suddenly they're having weird technical issues. Isn't that strange? And it always happens to be right around something that is the most important thing at the time. There's a technical issue extracting at source the status of new, not yet started in the progress of cases. Of course, for week ending in January 9th, a solution is currently being applied. All right? So just you know, ignore that part. The, the biggest, most obvious part right now, the most obvious reality that the, all of this is happening in the case of the transmission, the spreading of this is happening in those people almost entirely. But oops, little error, technical issue. Next part. It says... 
same kind of argument in regard to what we're going to see next in public health in Scotland. COVID-19 vaccines protect most people against severe outcomes. Well, that's clearly not true. I mean, in and of itself, that's not true because most people in the risk and the numbers right now in all those categories in Scotland are all in the fully injected. So they just keep saying these things, though. But some people will get sick. It says evidence suggests their their injections are 90 percent, 90 percent effective at preventing a severe outcome. Ninety percent, they say. Well, here's the death reporting. (laughs) I mean, just take a look at the last week. This is the per 100,000. Just the last week, January 1st to January 7th, the risk per 100,000 and uninjected is 7.262. The risk in the fully injected is 11.89. Okay, so let's go back real quick to what they're actually saying. They're saying evidence suggests that COVID-19 vaccines are 90% effective. They're discussing two shots right there. They're not talking about the booster yet. But the point is, we'll get into it in a minute when you include the booster, which does look lower. One, because we haven't continued to watch it flesh out yet, uh, but there's a lot of other po- reasons we can get into. But the bottom line being that you add it all together, the risk in general is much higher in anybody that's gotten injections compared to people who haven't. The risk is higher. But just taking fully injected versus not, which is what they're pointing at, it's not even remotely 90%. Hospitalizations and deaths are almost entirely on the side of the injected, and the risk is higher. So they're just lying to you right there. But then here's what's funny to me. COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths are strongly driven by the older age, with most deaths occurring in those over 70 years and having multiple other illnesses. Isn't that strange? Where have we heard that before? That's right. It's an argument that we were applying to the beginning when they were yelling at us that all these people were equal risk and everyone was dying except we were going, but all of them, they're all old. 96% of them, as the CDC admitted way back in the beginning, had more than, I think it was 2.6 or 3.6 comorbidities. And they said, oh, fake news. It was dismissed, even though the CDC said that. And now we're swinging back around as the picture starts to shift and going, oh, no, but all the people that are on, all the old ones that are dying, they're all with comorbidities and stuff. So let's not pretend like that undermines what we're saying. Well, yeah, it matters much less in regard to an injection that could cause those problems than people getting sick and dying from something else once they're already in the hospital with them. If you want to apply the same logic each way, it would be people that are already in the hospital who are already dying on the bed with 2.6 comorbidities, and they then they get the injection. And then they die from whatever things they were already dying from. Then that would apply in the same light as we saw in the beginning. What they're trying to argue is that these people who are old, and are at risk, who are told this is the best thing they can do, are taking an injection and then dying from it, even though they have other multiple illnesses, this is the point, they're dying from COVID-19, in, in many cases we're talking about. But either way, you could play this a lot of different directions. You could see how the logic applies both ways, but it's insulting to our intelligence that they will refuse to acknowledge it from before, even though we could clearly say, well, yeah, I get that point in some degree now, but everything else seen together, it obviously is a sidestep. But oh, it says, but here's the worst part. But overall, you're less likely to be hospitalized if you're vaccinated with a booster. Well, let's take a look. The booster, specifically, uh, what, what was the, the main point here? Oops. Oh, shoot. There we go. Less likely to be hospitalized. Okay. So if we go to the hospitalization area for Public Health of Scotland. Yeah, there we are. And we see that there is 79% of the total is injected. 
only 21% is uninjected. Then you look at the risk in general, which is 41 per hospitalizations per 100,000. Two doses is 43 per 100,000. At the moment, nine hospitalizations per 100,000. But again, averaged up is at very least equal to, if not barely more. So what are we talking about? If they're arguing that you are less likely to be hospitalized if you're vaccinated with the booster, even though that's not actually representative of what's happening, especially since we have barely enough data to pretend that's happening even now. Oh, shoot. Thanks, guys. When, how long has that been happening? Uh, thank you, uh, Carry On, for pointing that out. I'm trying to look back at the chat real quick in case can someone in the chat just tell me if there's anything that I need to show that, sh- that shouldn't. Uh... Let's see. I don't think I was showing anything. I hope that wasn't during the natural immunity part. Let me know in the chat if I need to just, I mean, I just glance back over the natural immunity images so you can see them. Any case. So I was already, I was showing through this information here, showing you the breakdown of the information there. I hope this got seen. If not, I'm waiting for the chat to catch up. The only reason that happened, I used to happen a lot in the past. The only reason it happened now is because I rarely turn off the video. I did today only because it seems like it was freezing everything for some reason. In any case, all right, we'll keep going forward. I hope that I, if, you, if you guys want to follow up with something that would show that or show me that what I would need to show that I might have missed, I'll just glance back over it again. Otherwise, I'll keep going. Here's all the info. I'll just go you real quick, page by page, show you what I was talking about. So here's where we were talking about the hospitalized uh, if you are vaccinated with a booster. Uh, I forgot what point I was at on that, but we'll just keep going forward. The point is the data doesn't back this stuff up across the board. And here's what it says. There is a lot of uncertainty about who is the in the unvaccinated population. Which makes interpretation of COVID rates in this group difficult. Yeah, you don't say. Well, the point is that if you don't know the full picture of the unvaccinated, that could dramatically change what we're talking about. On top of that, that could be a way that you intentionally keep things from the view, thinking about the UK. But anyway, it says that everyone in Scotland who is registered is assigned a number. And the point is they're estimating the Scottish residents. And that is something we should consider. Just one more point to add to. Okay, to go through this quite quickly. Cases. Very clear comparing unvaccinated to two doses first. And you can see that the rate per 100,000 is more in most cases across the board. Even looking at the one dose. Now, this is one point that I thought was really interesting. So look at look, look at this week, for instance, and it gets worse when you get into, oh, excuse me, we're on st- we're on starting on the wrong point. Let's start on cases. Case per 100,000. Now, what's interesting to me, first of all, is what we're told is the dose is supposed to at least any dose. One shot is supposed to be better than nothing, right? But in every category you're going to look at in Scotland alone, or not just alone, but in this case, Scotland, you're seeing people that will take the injection and then immediately after one dose have a dramatically higher risk of getting sick. And we're not even talking about whether it gets less symptoms, less severe. How does that even make sense to you? Why would one dose increase that risk? Well, because the data we've already shown you shows you that it does do that. You take the dose and it actually increases your risk of getting sick by 50%. That pretty much vindicates that, which doesn't need to be vindicated. It was the peer-reviewed science that showed that. But on top of that, there was the other study, I think it was Swiss Policy Research, that talked about the 50% of vaccinees had a dysregulation of their immune system. We saw that which they had an increased risk of getting sick, right? All this stuff is adding up and it's showing you that right there. 
Look at the increase. Look at the risk here. 958 per 100,000. They take one dose. That increases to 1,400 per 100,000. After one dose. Then all of a sudden, they take two doses. That goes up to 2,551 per 100,000. Now, here is the interesting part about the booster. And this is what I want you guys to see. The booster, in regard to cases, stays higher than the uninjected. Right there, challenges everything. If we're talking about the booster increasing, but overall, you're less likely to be hospitalized if you're in a vaccine. You know, again, that's likely why they're pointing at just hospitalizations. Or I forget where it was in the UK data where they're saying the same thing. Well, you get the booster and it worked. Well, that's not what this seems to add. That's not what that shows you. In every single category, every one of them in the booster, right here, every single category, we, this is the entire month, you are at higher risk of getting sick even after your third dose than you are if you have none. That's incredible. I don't know how that even, how they even pretend that that lines up with what they're saying. And by the way, you take the fourth one, same thing, because the peer review, or excuse me, it's preprints, in fact, but the science does back this up in three different studies that have already come out, showing you that they wane after a month and it immediately falls off, and it's going to do the same thing with every booster. That's why they're scrambling to do something different, it would seem. But look at that information. That's why I'm trying to break this down for you in regard to what they're actually seeing. Now, here's the total cases. 11%, only 11% of all the cases in Scotland are people uninjected. Which, by the way, is da- is is uh, down from fourteen point seven from last month. Last month, it was eighty five point three percent of all the cases in fully injected. Well, this month, it's eighty nine. You see how, how dramatically this is increasing month by month. Now, the point is that seven hundred nine cases per one hundred thousand is the risk for uninjected in Scotland. The combined risk, even including the booster, is. One is 1,283 per 100,000. Again, that's less than, that's a little less than double. The UK is basically almost double. This is still almost double the risk in Scotland too of getting sick with the booster. Does not make sense. Going over to the next one. Make sure I'm missing anything there. Going over to hospitalizations. Same point specifically in regard to unvaccinated versus two doses. It is higher. But we can go to the breakdown. Hospitalizations, only 21% of hospitalizations in Scotland are uninjected in this month time frame. 79% of them are injected. Same point from before, 41 hospitalizations per 100,000. Two doses is 43. It does not make sense. And by the way, it was the same before Omicron. Specifically, Delta is what I'm talking about because we've been following this from before this. Now, it shows here in deaths the same discussion. Now, this is the main part of the title. Here's the deaths. Now, you break this down, it adds up to 20% of the deaths in Scotland are people uninjected. Only 20%. 80% of them are people fully injected. Now, 80% of the deaths, like that, just doesn't even add up in any way, regardless of the breakdown of risk. But then you add the risk. Now, I don't understand why this is not ending the conversation. This should be record screech, right? This should be stopped. Now, how much, you guys, this is what's going to happen. I can tell you this right now. At some point, 
this exactly what we're talking about is going to get discussed on Tucker Carlson or, or Beck, Glenn Beck will suddenly wave a paper around and say, look at this new breaking story we discovered. And all of a sudden it's going to be this new thing that gets seated throughout the discussion, right? Why, for whatever reason, this isn't breaking through. I don't know why we could, people need to spread this information out, but that's, what's going to happen because once it's just, it gets discussed by Steve Gottler, with Lena Wen says it on CNN, well, suddenly it becomes acceptable. The reality is it's right in front of you. In Scotland, right now, their data shows that you have a higher risk of dying per 100,000 when all people, all injections included versus not being injected. If you have no injections in Scotland, you have a lower risk of dying from COVID-19. It's right in front of you. That's exactly what their data says. I don't know why. 5.1 per 100,000 versus five. I don't know why that's not enough for people to wake up to this. Now, we can also point out that in specifically Scotland, they only have, it's right now, the third dose is six, uh, where is it right there? 67.4%, 67.4. So how does that add up? If 67.4% of them have the one thing that's supposed to protect them, even though, again, we'll show you that's not even what the data shows. Wouldn't you, how does that, you wouldn't see this kind of breakdown, right? Or going specifically here, you wouldn't see 80% of the deaths. You wouldn't see a, a, a higher risk if that's actually true on hospitalizations either. But they're just going to keep putting this at you because they want you to believe what they're saying. I mean, 75% of the population is fully injected, they say. Now, it accounts for two, by the way, not all, not the three, but this is, again, that's actually a good point to make, is that what, they're kind of claiming they're shifting to three all over the place, but they aren't explaining which ones are and which ones aren't. So now fully, again, this becomes whatever they say it means. But here's another caveat. This is Ontario. I keep showing this in addition to everything else because this this is from yesterday, but it shows you that more than 50% of those in the ICU are people that are injected, fully injected, and just in hospitals, almost 75% injected. Then you you factor that in with what we're seeing here, and the cases also show you that they're at much higher risk. Right now, uninjected is at 78 per 100,000. Fully injected is at 102 per 100,000. They're at a higher risk of getting sick in general, and there's more people in the hospital. That doesn't line up, does it? That doesn't make sense with what the UK is claiming or the US is claiming. It does not add up. At the very least, it shows you one of two things. Either one of them are wrong, or there's different things being given to different people. Or I'm sure there's other possibilities you could jam in there, but that doesn't add up is the point. Well, here's the next point. Jump into the next day. Look at the increase. One day later, boom, now you're at like 60% people in the ICU are people fully injected. The risk is higher. And again, same point, going to all, same thing, same reality, even to the point we're at right now. It is at 60 compared to 51. You're at a higher risk of getting sick if you're fully injected, and you're at a higher risk of going to the hospital. But but we're just going to pretend that doesn't make sense, right? They're going to keep lying to you about this because this continues to be the case over and over and over. Well, let's go to somebody we haven't talked about before and show you the same thing. Australia. Here's PolitiFact telling you fully vaccinated Australians in hospital for COVID surpassed unvaccinated is apparently fake news. It's not, though. We'll show you, but they hide it behind you. Their half-truth manipulated point. Right now, fully vaccinated Australians, well, fully injected, are more in the hospital there are more fully injected Australians in hospital than there are not. Same as the other places we're talking about. That doesn't make sense. 
as it says, similar to the headline, the beginning of the article implies that the vaccinated are more susceptible during the Omicron surge. Because they are, right? This is Epoch Times they're talking about. Well, so they start the article by saying a fact. <laughs> okay, I don't get why that's false. This is how they play this game, though. Without saying it, they're trying to get you to think that that's not true, but it is true. The UK itself continues to show you the breakdown of the data that shows you that right now they're dramatically at higher risk, much, much, much more susceptible to Omicron. But the rest of them, too, they're just hiding behind Omicron. The article was shared in social media posts, which were flagged as part of Facebook's effort to combat false news. Oh, you mean Facebook that was already caught for claiming that all they're doing is giving their protected opinion and should have no bearing on what's actually true in a court of law. Yeah, but let's trust them, though. The headline is misleading, it says. Okay. Explain to me how that's misleading. Fully vaccinated Australians in hospital for COVID surpassed the vaccine. Well, it's not misleading whatsoever. That's a fact. But because you don't add on a thousand different additional facts that they want you to include, they want you to have a, a four-paragraph headline that includes all the things they want you to include to counterbalance what the headline very clearly is and is true. It's, just, it's ridiculous. You're supposed to include there, but but the percentage is higher, and but this, and but that, and but that. That's not the point, though, is it? What? How about that's not even what they're driving at? All they want you to see is that there are people that are in the hospital that aren't, that, that challenges what they're ultimately saying. But they don't like that, you see? The headline's misleading, they say. It refers to Australians. But the complete article focuses on just New South Wales. Well, the Australian data backs that up too, but it doesn't matter. It says, according to the data, 20, 2030 COVID patients were hospitalized in New South Wales. We'll get show you next. Of those patients, 28.8% were unvaccinated and 68.9% were fully vaccinated. Okay, so they're correct? Yeah, but it says this data does not include information about whether the patients have received vaccine boosters. Well, what does that matter? That's not the point they're making. All you're trying to do is to pretend like because you guys move the goalpost and change what you're aiming at, that we have to now do the same thing. No, we don't. We're not trailing behind you, mainstream media. You guys don't make the game anymore. The idea that just because you pointed to another endpoint that we have to stop pointing out how you've been wrong the whole time is ridiculous. Based on these New South Wales statistics, it was accurate to say the number of vaccinated people in hospitals in New South Wales exceeded the number of unvaccinated people. Okay. Well, that's true, but they're just, I guess they just failed to look at the bigger picture too, which says the same thing. I guess so. It says, currently there are more people hospitalized in New South Wales and Victoria, and Victoria, by the way, Australia's hardest hit states than any other point in the pandemic. On January 12th, New South Wales officials reported 2,242 COVID patients in hospitals throughout the state. Premier reported, his name is Perway, Perro, Perouet, Perouetit, <laughs> reported 175 patients in the ICU. He says, quote, more than 50% of those are unvaccinated. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? Vaccination has been, a key, has been key over this period of time in keeping you and your friends and your family safe. It is very clear on those numbers. They don't lie. Well, let's, let's, di let's dissect that thought a little bit for a minute and realize how funny it is, as every other part of this narrative, exactly what they're claiming doesn't make sense from our perspective is exactly what they throw back in our face. Okay, so he's telling you, look, 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 50% of the people in the hospital aren't vaccinated, so therefore, they're right. Well, isn't that exactly what I'm saying? Isn't that, it, it, except on top of that, I'm also showing you the per 100,000, which is also higher, but over here in UK land, they're going, no, Ryan, you're dumb because the numbers may be higher, but the per 100,000 is just lower. 
Apparently this doctor doesn't care about that though, because here he is literally saying, and by the way, don't forget, this is the premier, or excuse me, not doctor, the premier of New South Wales, the politician who's saying, look, 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 over 50% of the people in this position are unvaccinated. Well, wait a minute, premier. What about the per 100,000 risk? Doesn't that count too? Even if the point is they're making the same argument. He says very clearly that that happening, showing that that's happening, 50% of the situation proves the numbers don't lie. And it's very clear that that's what's happening. So when we make that argument, it's false, false, fake news and not factoring on all the fact information, fake and half false or whatever the politifact would say. But when they do it, it's proof of what they're saying is true. Don't miss the irony. Paratet emphasized that because New South Wales has such high vaccination rates, the fact that more than 50% of those in the ICU with COVID were unvaccinated demonstrates the effectiveness of the vaccine. That's exactly what they just told you not to do. They just said in this report right here that you shouldn't do that. Where was it? Right here that I go. Oh, right here. Was this the one? Ah, oh, I, I don't want to waste time and try to find it again. But you remember, we just we just went over it. As they go, well, don't use this to do that because it's not the way you should base this information. You should look at it the way that we're telling you to look at it. But then PolitiFact does the exact same thing as this. But that point, and we're right. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's just so arbitrary and ridiculous. And the point that they're trying to make, which is there's a valid point to be made there. It's exactly why I make it in the opposite situation, despite the fact they dismiss it, is that if that was true, despite the fact that, again, you're talking about a reality that they don't have the full picture of the vac- unvaccinated and or not getting the full picture of the reports that we're having that we're claiming is the vaccinated picture, they're saying it just because that's the case, it shows you that 50% of them, even though the percentage is higher, means what we're trying to tell you it means. I'm just simply pointing out that why is it valid when they say it, not valid when we do it over here. Now, the data, specifically in that one regard there, compared to Scotland, doesn't make sense, does it? But before we get into that, just based on what they're saying, it says, we'll actually show you what it does say. And they're not actually, they're very incorrect in the way they're framing this. Around 93% of adults have now been fully injected, they say leaving around 7% of the population not entirely protected. Now, check this out. 93% of adults, that's what they said. So that's not 93% of the full population. Very clear. Again, the way that they pretend we're misrepresenting information. Now, they follow up, and this is the same point. It says, despite making up a small proportion of the wider community, this is the New Zealand Herald saying this, these 7% now account far more than... Okay, you're using that as a percentage of the whole. That's exactly the same thing they're telling us we shouldn't be doing when they're saying adult. It's not the full picture. Oh, I'm pointing out their their clumsy and irresponsible way they're using the information that's not sound, even though that's exactly what they try to claim that we're doing all the time. And by the way, that data does not align with what we're seeing in Scotland or the UK. And I'm going to show you right now, and that information is not the same over there as well. But they're ruling. These headlines suggest that vaccinated people are more susceptible to severe illness from the virus than unvaccinated people. But the headline misrepresents the data side in the article. Are they more susceptible? Yes. Does their data say that? Yes. But it misrepresents the information because they didn't include your 40 paragraph article in the headline? That's an impossible metric. And they know that. So as long as you don't include everything they want you to think in the headline, then you're fake news. But they can put out a headline that says the to a complete ridiculous reduction of one thing they want you to think that isn't backed up by the data, make that their headline. And that's absolutely okay because corporate media, 
But in regard to the booster, which is what they keep trying to argue, that the booster is all that matters. The effect is the booster going forward, and they didn't factor in the booster, right? Where was that point? And they, oh, right there. They didn't. They did not include information about the boosters. Well, again, how about we look at the booster really quickly and realize that that data that they're ignoring in their fact check shows you that it rapidly declines, which goes away immediately. In fact, after the first month, which is what all these are saying. This one says in receiving the third dose, it goes down immediately. Two doses, some protection, substantially less. The last one being the most important in the second month and becoming small and significant in the third and fourth months. Rapid weaning of these boosters is 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 immediate. In every part of these discussions, that's what they're showing, but they just don't care about that. You can read the Epoch Times if you'd like and realize that they were completely spot on and completely factual. Now to go into the data itself to finish this out, here's the New South Wales breakdown of the different reports. We'll continue to follow up on this. Here is their key indicator situation. Now there's two different reports we're looking at here. This one's sort of a grouping of key indicators as of January 2nd. Now just recognize in regard to the cases, which is what they're trying to argue is sort of misleading, but it's really not. 67.4% of their cases are fully injected. And also note in here, they're they're very clearly are going uninjected and fully. So there's an entire open room there for people with one and things that happen to them being grouped into uninjected. We know that's happening in plenty of places. Then it says in intensive care units. So did they just say that most people, right? We We just heard them say that. Basically, where was it? Let me make sure we get this right here. Accurate to say the number of vaccinated people in, uh, where was it? Okay. More than 50% of the people in there, in there are unvaccinated. That's what they're saying right there. Emphasizing such high rates, that more than 50%, they're bracing their entire point on that. Except it's not true. Because 50.5% of the people in the ICU as of January 2nd are fully injected. Looks like they got their wires crossed. Maybe they were just lying because they liked the number better. But the point is that 48.4% are uninjected. So does it work for us now? No, because you know what they're going to say? They're going to go, no, because the risk is higher. Okay, so then why was he allowed to make that argument in reverse? Because you see my point, guys? This is so stupid. When When it works for their side of the argument, this thing, if it was reversed, would mean we're right because that proves it. Except when it works for us, they go, nope, that doesn't apply because you're misrepresenting the information. <laughs> it's just comical. I mean, it's, it, it's it, again, it would be comical if it wasn't so horribly ruining people's lives. Right now in New South Wales, 50.5% of those in the ICU are fully injected. Oops. Now here at the bottom, it shows you COVID-19 vaccination. And it says percentage of eligible population, 91%. of the eligible population, they're all screaming about herd immunity. How is this still happening? Doesn't matter though, right? And of course, you can break into the uh, per 100,000. This is the point that I'm making before. And they're claiming that it is higher for the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. That may be true. I don't know how that adds up, but I'll leave it to you to come to your conclusions about it. At the very least, what we just saw in Scotland shows you the diametric opposite. So too in Ontario. Why is that the case? Doesn't make sense. But going to the next part. Oh, and here's just, here's the next one. Same point as of January 9th. Same point, right? So just in case you thought maybe we were wrong and it's up until now. Nope, same point. 50.3 in a double injected. It's weird. Now, note that they changed it to double instead of tr- fully. 
right? And they're not even including the booster. Why is that? The point is, it's still more than 50% of the ICU patients are fully injected. Almost 70% of the cases are in the fully injected. Same 92.5% fully injected rate. Well, let's go into the next report. Actually, I wanted to make sure I showed you the top of this one. And we're going to finish it up with this stuff. A couple of different points to make here. Now, this is COVID-19 surveillance report for New South Wales. And it also breaks down a lot of other places too in comparison, which I find very relevant. Taking a moment to load here. COVID-19 weekly surveillance in New South Wales. Okay. Really interesting reports here. Here it is, COVID-19 cases by vaccination status. Same point we've already made. Now, what's interesting to me is they break this down in a weird, like, if you look at the numbers, you can clearly see that if you add this together, it shows you very clearly from beginning to end that it's been predominantly on the side of the injected. But what's weird is they break it up in June 16th and November 25th and November 26th and January 1st. And you can see that fully injected accounted for from November 26th to January 1st, 2022, 71% of the cases. Why people people with no doses accounted for only 2%. 2%. So if you, again, going back to this, if you're looking at this information and realizing again, oh, and that was the other point. So 92 was eligible, right? So that including the full population, you've got 78%. 78% people injected because you're you have to use that number for this next point because you're including under you know all this is all cases. Oops, where was it? Right there. As you can see there in this number there. Oh, son of a gun. I just lost a point there. Shoot. Oh well, probably important. But you can see that they're including all age groups essentially. So the point is that if it's only two percent. And yet 76% of the grouping is, that shouldn't, there should be far, an exponentially higher number of cases in the uninjected, shouldn't there? Nobody wants to explain that, probably because they all have natural immunity and they're running away from this thing. But the point is that you can see it's 108,000 in this category when it's only 6,000 up here. And you can see that that breakdown makes it look like 50% of the uninjected over here from this time period. But when you add it together, guess what? The majority on the side of the fully injected. It's just playing games with statistics. It's frustrating. So first of all, recognize that in this time frame, from June 16th all the way to January 1st, 2022nd, the majority of cases are in the fully injected. And a very small amount of it in this last time frame has been in people that are not in any injection, which doesn't make any sense if they're super susceptible, whether it's a low Omicron grouping or not, or risk or not. That drives me crazy. I, I hate. The, I know there was something important that I lost right there. Anyway, there's a lot of this stuff's kind of redundant. This one is vaccination status confirmed Omicron specifically. Oh, and it says N Delta and everything else. It goes through different. Oh yeah, that's right. It goes through each one. Now note that fully injected, specifically Omicron, account for eighty percent. Eighty percent. Even the probable, oh, I mean, yeah, we just combine these two. That's what's so funny. Probable Omicron, which is discussing the S gene dropout which that could simply be not anything, could be a false positive being 80%. But the point is that the majority of Omicron cases right now are on the fully injected, which is what they keep trying to pretend makes sense, except that look at that, 2% of the not injected. There's no way that makes sense, especially when their argument is this is something that's far more transmissible. Wouldn't it be spreading like wildfire throughout people without injections? Apparently not. Seems to be spreading quite fast with people that have them. And I think that's the point. Now on Delta even, you remember when they keep scaling you, telling you that Delta was a much different picture and Omicron changed everything? Well, look at the breakdown. 
Only 17% of the Omicron cases in that time frame are people that are not injected. That's the one that's not a dose at all. Almost 50% of the cases are in the fully injected. They're lying to you guys. I can't I can't point this out anymore. I mean, I I can only point this out so many ways. Delta was still the same thing. Then what's interesting to me is it goes to not sequenced. Look at that. 71% of these things are not sequenced. I mean, I find that to be really interesting, but that's all in the not in the fully injected. All of it. And it shows you that they're not able to look at all this despite they're telling you most of this or most of that. They don't know that. They're making it up. They're guessing. Here's the next one. Now, I find this to be very interesting. First on the graphs, this is clinical severity by vaccination status. It's all in New South Wales first. What I find interesting is there's a couple different things to point out. This bottom graph, well, first, let's look at this top graph since we have it. Number of cases in general. And this is the the numbers and this is the, the, the notification date. Now, you can see here that there was not that much of a jump in any case. But right now, you're clearly seeing a the, the largest jump in general happen right here in the fully injected. Now, yes, they want to blame that on Omicron. I don't know why that necessarily makes sense when you're telling us this should be something that's adaptive. And, you know, Fauci told you a long time ago that we had enough to get... Either way, just wanted you to point that out. But then here is the interesting part to me. Now, this is hospitalized, the blue, attended the ICU in the... that looks like just, let's call it black for the for make it easy. And then the red being dyed. That's easy to see right there, the breakdown. Now, here on fully injected, what you'll see is an interesting spike. I can't zoom in anymore, but you can see right there. I can just move the arrow, actually, right there. Oh, that's not helping. (laughs) That you can see this jump in admitted to the ICU and this jump in deaths, right, towards Omicron, right? Now, what's interesting is you see this a, a much larger jump right here back in the beginning. Now, I don't think we should factor that in because... Not in the context of what we're dealing with now, because they're telling you it's a different situation. But we also know there was a lot of misinformation and false reporting that they've been caught for back in that time frame. You know, false positives and nursing homes and all sorts of up and down, just manipulation. So it matters, right? But let's go from here forward, right? Look at the difference there. If they're telling you that in every way, risk and everything else that the not injected are at more risk. Why is that the opposite of what you're seeing right there? You're seeing and more cases, you're seeing more hospitalizations, you're seeing more deaths in every category. Now, of course, that's what they're going to get into the per 100,000, but let's, we can keep going forward and show you that's not even the case. But I find that to be very interesting. All these things add up to a picture that shows you they're lying to you. Here it is, hospitalizations, ICUs, and deaths. Among cases diagnosed with COVID-19, by vaccination status, November 26th, January 1st. It says, fully vaccinated, hospitalizations, 1,280. That's 1.2%. And it says, no effective dose is only 251. That accounts for 9.1%, they say. Here's what's interesting to me. Hospitalized in the ICU, Counts for 104 versus only 42 in no dose. But that's 1.5 versus 0.1, right? You add these together and you get reasonably close to that, which shows you that it's not super rare, but the main point for me is right here. You're looking at a death rate. It will, first of all, make sure we're clear that every category right here, every one of them is higher than the unvaccinated. 
And again, they point to the per 1,000 and we're getting there. But look at the risk at deaths. 0.3 versus 0.1 or less than 0.1. I don't think that's much difference in regard to the numbers we're looking at, especially when you add in Scotland and the other places we're looking at. But overall, you're seeing the majority of the numbers in these categories. There's always two different points to be made there. But also, again, you know, adding these one doses together, as well as the under investigation, that wasn't the way to do that right there. Shoot, right there. There's another 395, right, under investigation. I just want to point out, there's always this caveat. When you add that into the mix, you could change a lot of information there. But going forward to the next part, which is, continues to get more interesting to me, this is the most important part, I think. Cases with a severe outcome. This is just in general. This is adding all together, ICU or death. Now, you'll find something very, very telling here. On November 26th forward to January 1st, now you could argue this is an Omicron, right? November forward. This is where we are now. You'll find that over 90, specifically, the group that's at most risk, first of all, just this part of it. Oh, here, let me do this. Just the 91st, right there. 4% of the of, of fully vaccinated, 9 out of 247. I'm not doing terrible with these things, damn it. Okay, then you look over at unvaccinated, uninjected. In over 90 category, which is the most at risk, look at the comparison. It is 0% and 0 out of 12 compared to 9 out of 247 and 4%. How do you make sense of that? Well, then you feel like, oh, well, it's just one category, Ryan, for especially those on the podcast. Well, how about we look at the total, right? The total is right beneath it. The total down here and understand how this how this breaks down like you're saying four percent this is talking about the total of all the information in these specific time categories right so you have this huge sprawling number from the very beginning of this to now or at least june 20th june 16th to now and all they're pointing out is these specific categories and specific ages and specific time frames that's why it doesn't add up to the, the full number in these specific areas but look total on it's, it's less than one percent or 123 deaths or and ICUs in the fully injected. It's the same number, same percentage in not. And or and less deaths and ICUs in the total. Okay, make sure we're clear on that. We're not talking about everything. We're adding it all together. That's the full picture. So basically, they're telling you the risk is the same. In New South Wales, they're telling you the risk of severe outcome is basically the same percentage-wise between fully injected and not. And then just the numbers. 123 versus 51, 51 being uninjected. How do you make sense of that? They can break this up and split it in categories and, you know, bend it just right all over the place. But there's your total of severe outcomes from from November 26th to January 1st. Finally, infections among the Aboriginal people. I find this to be confounding. In fact, this is strange to me. So here we are in the breakdown. This is just a week breakdown. January 1st, December 11th. You can see what's interesting to me is fully vaccinated versus no dose. Fully vaccinated is way higher in every category across the board 
and no dose is dramatically lower in every category. But then the moment you jump over to after November 26th, it's like a on a dime. You see this dramatic increase. Now, you could argue it's Omicron, but that's not supposed to be the case. Either way, I want you guys to think about how this doesn't really add up to me in a lot of different ways. But what is the main running theme to all of this? That the fully injected are much more representative of the problem in every possible factor, including in Scotland and many other places, being higher risk. None of that adds up with what they're saying. Now, on the New South Wales data, I also had a couple other points I thought were very interesting. And then we'll go into some that compare with the U.S. and Israel and a couple of others. Look at this. COVID-19 cases and vaccinations. Blue line being people who received at least one dose, red being double, uh, double vaccinated. Now, what do you see right there? Look back, look back to March 1st and before. There's nothing happening. Then all of a sudden, you start giving these injections, and all of a sudden, you see the cases completely spike. Yes, that's correlation, but it matters. Right? Correlation is not causation, but it definitely matters. We actually discussed that today. Oh, I forgot to shout that out today in the beginning of the show. Had a really outstanding interview today, roundtable, in fact, with Denny Rancourt and Stephanie Seneff. It'll be coming out tomorrow. It's outstanding. I mean, it, some of these points blew my mind, to be quite honest, in regard to things we were already talking about from before. But anyway, the point being that we discussed exactly that point about correlation and how important it really is. Being ignored. Here's another one in regard to. Number of hospitalized patients versus number of new deaths, same time frame. Look at the introduction of the injections and the correlate, correlate the correlation of the number of hospitalized, hospitalized patients. And what we also don't factor in, guys, is the fact that people that are getting these injections, which we also talk, talked about in the interview today, are spreading this thing, whether through spike protein or, in fact, what Stephanie Sneff discussed today, discussing things that are, you know, the way exosomes work in your body pulling these things out and potentially shedding via breath. These are, this is not opinion. This is scientific research that's backing this stuff up. Not to say that it's provable, like we know for sure, but these are valid scientific inquiry, inquiries. And the reality being that even Dr. Warren came out and said this, the, in the discoverer of mRNA, that yes, it obviously can shed. Salk Institute says, yes, it can actually cause disease. So the point is that vaccinated people are increasing the risk of spreading this constantly, the vast majority of all the numbers, and then we're pretending that it doesn't have a factor on the people that aren't getting injected that are just around them? Why isn't that considered in this whole discussion, right? But going to the next point, here's Australia. In general, same point. Vaccination, increase. Vaccination, increase. Here is an interesting part about the sequencing from Australia in general. Take note of this. The red dotted line is not percentage of cases sequenced. See, right there, percentage of cases. The, the red is Delta, and the beige, I guess, is Omicron. Now, what do you notice right there? That right about here, right when Omicron begins, it drops to zero. Really? Zero. So, now, so from December 12th forward, they didn't sequence any cases? You know what that tells you? They shifted over to S gene dropout and pretended that that was enough, even though the CDC blatantly, explicitly said not enough. You have to verify this. That is only a guy, and you should not be the only indicator because it can go both ways. It can have you can, S gene dropout can be there and it cannot be. S gene, S gene can be there and it can be Omicron. Yet, look at what we're staring at. 
It's telling you right there from December 12th, Australia did zero percentage of cases sequence. They don't know what's going on. They're telling you what's going on. The narrative is telling you what's going on. They're using a PCR test that's manipulatable, getting possibly false positives to a high degree, and then just telling you what they think is happening. Now, let's pretend that's all that's happening, right? Let's, let's not ask the question about whether that's an intentional dropout so that they can lie about the information in a very important time. My opinion, either way, let's be clear, they don't know what's happening right now. They're telling you they know. Here's the next part for United Kingdom. Look at the point. You can see the introductions of injections right at the time when it's basically had bottomed out. And then right when they start to peak, you see the thing peak again. Over and over, you see this happen. Correlation. But obviously, we should be asking why that's correlating. Here is the United Kingdom doing the same thing. Look at that. It's almost like this is a big planned illusion, isn't it? Suddenly, we just stop. December 12th. Isn't that strange? They stopped on the same day. Why? So you're telling me the UK and, and uh, Australia just, just randomly, coincidentally stopped sequencing every case on the same day, right when Omicron started, right when they needed that sequence to prove it was Omicron? Hmm. I wonder if there's some manipulation happening here. Here is the United States. Look at the correlation. Isn't that interesting? Same point. As they increase, so too do the problem. Here's the same point. Here's the United States. Wait a minute. On December 12th? Wait a minute. There's no way that they all just co- they They must have coordinated, right? No, but that's not possible because that's conspiracy theory. December 12th, dot just bottoms out. And from then, zero. No sequences going forward. And we're being told that we know it's Omicron. Isn't that funny? And don't forget, they told you that we oh 76% Omicron. And then they went, oh, wait, we're wrong. It's only 23%. And then silence for a week, and now we're back to just, it's everywhere, and Omicron's everywhere? I guess they just, I guess not silence, it increased back to 76%. No, I don't, I think they just kind of got lost there for a minute and just went right back to Omicron everywhere because that's what's working. Here is Israel. Same point. Increased injections, increased cases, and same point. Look at that. December 12th, bottoming out. Zero sequencing, Omicron rise. What do you know? Now, what's interesting, by the way, is it's odd that January 2nd, that just could be because the data dies off. But at the end of the day, we know it doesn't die off on December 12th, seeing as how they've got Omicron cases after that, which needs sequencing to prove, right? But either way, this is such a blatant misrepresentation, a blatant manipulation. It's time for us to call this stuff out, guys. And I'm talking to people out there that are... you know, biding their time, playing into the game because of their business model. It's time to push back more than ever because this is never going away unless we do. And the two-party paradigm is only going to hurt you. Final example on that point, as no one points out, Nigeria, good example. Population of Nigeria, 206 million, 206.1 million. Population of the United States, 329.5 million. Density of Nigeria, 586 people per square mile. Density of of United States, only 93 per square mile. Fully vaccinated in Nigeria, 2.4%. Fully vaccinated in the United States. Now, wait a minute. That's not true. Hold on. Same point, by the way. Yeah, that's only 63%. That's strange. 
oh, I see what got mis- that the mistake was made by the one dose. And you know what? That's probably not even her fault. Not that I could should know that, or I can know that. But look, we're staring. Oh, here we go. Let me zoom in. See, 75 is one dose in the United States. I promise you that was some garbage website that's re- that's claiming that that's just like Walensky tried to do, just like Paskey tried to lie about, Biden tried to lie about. That just gets misrepresented as the total. In any case, the point is the same. A what they're telling you should represent a herd immunity level, like Fauci said back in the middle of 2021. Let's just say 65% fully injected in the United States, 2.4 in Nigeria, right? Average daily cases in the United States, 703,718. So they tell us anyway. Average cases in Nigeria, 349. Average deaths, they're telling us in the United States, and this is in the context of COVID-19, 1,832. Average deaths in Nigeria, four. So 2.4% fully injected and there nothing's happening. Yet here we are in the United States with you know everything being forced and everybody constantly, and even other places like Australia, which is way higher with more forced and more coercion, and they're way, 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 way worse off. I don't know why we can't acknowledge what that shows us. Or how about, oh yeah, we forget about Sweden. Oh, that's right. Sweden doesn't exist because that is the one place that challenges the narrative no matter what. Can't talk about that one. Unreal. But this is why we need to fight for this and fight for the people that are lost, guys, because they don't see it. Some of them do and they're lying because they're bad people. But some of them just don't see it. Now, some of the people may not like the analogy of the you know Nazi vert today and because there's a lot of misinformation around that entire discussion, especially since we know that people inside the United States government, people inside of the elitist circles that lead that government, we're working both sides of this war, even then. We don't like to talk about that, though. You know, these high elitist families that were funding both sides of these wars and have always done that. It's very clear. And that's why a lot of the, the so-called history around this discussion is completely manipulated. But that's aside. The point is, guys, that that, that that same point applies to how they use that to manipulate you. As the tweet reads, totalitarianism is always sold to the masses as a necessary evil And most of them will fall for it time and time again, despite the benefit of the historical record. They just don't see how the lessons of the past apply to the present context. That's the the way they do that. They see the past. They just don't see how it applies today because they've spent 20 years placing a lens over what they're doing now to make it look like something else. It was that way then, and it's that way now. Here's the breakdown for the picture. And it just simply shows you, guys, this is a really powerful picture showing you the exact same location in 1941 being marched into by Nazi soldiers. Then right there, the same location in 2021 with the exact same file, you know, rank and file marching of the same thing of of militarized police in the current age. It's just a shocking reality to see that that's where we are. It doesn't have to tap into what you believe is propaganda around the historical concept. It has to tap into the fact that people were abusing things just like that then, and they're doing it now. And it's the same elitist circles driving the same agenda to the same end, using new technology. It's where we are, and it's we just need to see how clear this is. It was the same then, and it's that way, and it is the same now, guys. And just to wrap up with, you know, unfortunately a depressing point, they don't always like to end on a sad point. Fauci says FDA could authorize Pfizer's COVID vaccine for kids under five in the next month. By the way, we're talking an FDA authorization because they just renewed the emergency that's not happening. 
what is it, four days ago? So why would we approve something, you know, that they keep telling you safe and effective? Let's just keep emergency authorizing it. As long as we have an agenda and an emergency, we'll just keep pretending. By the way, that means they don't know if it's safe and effective, even though they keep saying that. By definition, emergency authorized means we only think we know. We have some of the information, which seems to outweigh the information we think we have about the risks. So the benefits outweigh the risks now. We don't know for sure in the future. Read it on their own definitions. So they're going to push this in for children that are under one in a million risk of dying from this. They don't need it to have a dramatically increased risk of myocarditis. Their argument that they're higher risk of COVID does not play. Why would you put a child who is currently not at risk at immediate higher risk of myocarditis, whether or not there was a higher risk after possibly catching COVID, even though I've already shown you that's not true? You're putting them at increased risk. Why does that make sense to anybody? And Dr. Anthony Fauci says younger children will likely need three doses too. Why? Well, two shots did not include an adequate immune response in children two to four years old that they're testing on right now. So let me think, let me, let me, one last point here. If you're telling me right now that, by the way, the same two shots that you've been giving everybody else long before Omicron, the same two shots that you're testing on people in every other context. And by the way, you understand that these trials they're discussing two to four were pre-Omicron. So what they're telling you is two shots of the same thing we gave other people, adults even, did not give them an immune response, even though we gave you the same shot and we're doing this before Omicron came around. How does that make sense? I thought this thing worked before Omicron, but yet here you are proving to us the two shots didn't do anything to them because it never did, guys. That's the reality. They've been lying to you and they just want to keep the three-shot kind of concept going. Look back into this information and find out that it had pre- that the discussion was around other things in Omicron and they're lying to you about what's happening right now. Two shots didn't work for you. It is not working for these kids. So they're continuing to jump to the next one, which by the way, also doesn't work. But you'll find that out when they start pushing the fourth one, which also doesn't work. That's the sad reality, guys. This is going to keep going until we stop it. But to end on a positive note, as I can always try to do, the reality is they're pulling this back because you're making a difference. We all know that. We are breaking through to such a degree that they have to stop this to some degree. They have to roll it back. Plan fortification because they need us to get comfortable again so they can reinitiate the agenda. Happens over and over throughout history. So just revel in this moment. Recognize that you did something powerful, that you stopped an insurmountable agenda but not forever. Stay vigilant, as we always say, because it's going to come back. But it is positive because look at what's happening. How is it not positive to watch them eat crow in front of everybody and pretend like you're still wrong? How embarrassing that must be. How frustrating that must be. And nothing's more enjoyable than frustrating the agendas of the tyrannical government, but we will continue. And you know that. And Hopefully you will join us. Thank you for continuing to fight. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. It's time we started standing up to all of these mandates. You remember when the government told us, when Tony Fauci told us that we were going to lock down, he said it was for two weeks. And now it's been almost two years. And I'm going to tell you three things that you need to remember in this critical day and age. One is that once government acquires a power, 
it never lets it go voluntarily. The second thing that we need to know is that every power that government acquires using this pandemic as a pretense, it will ultimately abuse to the maximum effect possible. And this is just a rule that is as certain as gravity. The third thing that you need to know is that nobody has ever complied their way out of totalitarianism. Every time you comply, the demands will get greater and greater. We need to resolve that here and now, this is the hill that we need to die on. They have come for our jobs. They've come for our transport. Now they're coming for our children. And we have an obligation as parents to protect them. There has never been a government in history that has told its people, we are going to demand that children sacrifice themselves and take risks to save old people. It's always the other way around. The old, the mature, the adults always put themselves at risk to protect their children. This is an ethical issue. It's a moral issue. It's an issue of character for each of us. And it's an issue about the preservation of democracy and public health. We all need to stand up now and do everything that we can to block these power plays by authoritarian powers that are trying to steal from us the health of our children.